Blog Talk Radio. Well, bless the Lord, everybody. Bless the Lord. We are coming to the end of the journey. This has been, oh, I think we started sometime around January, and we finally, finally get to Acts chapter 28, the end of our journey. But before we begin anything, let's just stop and and thank God for just being faithful to us in our journey. And let me say hello to everybody that's out there. I know that, you know, I'm I'm a little pressed for time, but that's okay. I'm I'm going to try to slow down just a little bit tonight, uh, because this I'm just so grateful to God for His faithfulness, and not only for His faithfulness, but for your faithfulness in joining us on this journey. Uh, we were supposed to be done in May, and we're almost August. Hello, everybody. Uh, we're almost August, and so we've had just uh, just quite a time. But let's pray, and then we're going to get right into Acts chapter 28, and we're going to finish this off tonight. Amen? Let's bow our heads in a word of prayer. Eternal God, our Father, it's in Jesus' name that we come to say thank you. God, we come to bless you and to praise you. Great is your faith. God, your word reminds us that even when we are faithless, you are faithful because you just won't deny yourself. God, you started us off on a journey in Acts way back in January. And through good times and bad, through times when we were weary and tired, you've met us out here and you've blessed us with the word. And we say thank you. God, now as we finish this off, we pray that we would be out of the way, that you would continue to lead and guide us, speak to us individually and collectively, that we might bring glory to your kingdom. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name, amen. Now, what I want to do tonight is I want to break this up into three sections And then I'm going to explain what each of the sections mean just from a a historical point of view as well as from a biblical point of view. And then I'll I'll, I'll give you some application for it at the end of each section. Going to need your Bibles tonight as usual uh, because it's all Bible. Um, So let's just get started. Acts chapter 28 and... You remember from last week that they are now shipwrecked on the island of Malta. Now, just to give you an idea of where Malta is, if you look on your maps, Malta is going to be south of the of Italy and south and west. So remember when they were traveling, they were traveling northwest. But the wind got a hold of them and drew them off course. And one of the things that the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said is this, that even when opposition comes against you and knocks you off course, don't you worry about this, because 
they think that they've taken you to a place that you are not supposed to be. But the Holy Spirit reminded me of something. It says that the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. So wherever you are, that's where God wants you. If you are a good man, if you are a good woman, if you are following Christ, you're exactly where God wants you to be because that's where he's going to use you. And I know that sometimes we get in places and situations that we don't even like. I want you to remember something. In our narrative today, in our scripture lesson today, Paul don't want to be there. Who wants to be out in the cold, in the water, in the wintertime? Not me. And not Paul. But he recognizes that wherever he is, God is with him. Amen? So let's start at Acts chapter 28 now. Acts chapter 28, verse 1. After we were brought safely through, we then learned that the island was called Malta. The native people showed us unusual kindness, for they kindled a fire and welcomed us all, because it had begun to rain and was cold. When Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and put them on the fire, a viper came out because of the heat and fastened on to his hand. When the native people saw the creature hanging from his hand, they said to one another, No doubt this man is a murderer. Though he has escaped from the sea, justice has not allowed him to live. He, however, shook off the creature into the fire and suffered no harm. They were waiting for him to swell up or suddenly fall down dead. But when they had waited a long time and saw no misfortune come to him, they changed their minds and said that he was a god. Now in the neighborhood of that place were lands belonging to the chief man of the, item, the island named Publius who received us and entertained us hospitably for three days. It happened that the father of Publius lay sick with fever and dysentery. And Paul visited him and prayed, and putting his hands on him, healed him. And when this had taken place, the rest of the people on the island who had diseases also came and were cured. They also honored us greatly, and when we were about to sail, they put on board whatever we needed. Now, what I want to show you tonight is a couple of things. First of all, just summarizing what I just read, they were shipwrecked, and the people of the island kindly came to them, and they ministered to the shipwrecked crew and the passengers. During the course of Paul trying to build a fire, he was bitten by a snake, but he was unharmed. And what the people got a chance to see was the healing power of God and the authority given by God to his disciples. Now, what can we glean from this? Let me, let me tell you what I got. 
the word of the Lord is true, and the word of the Lord is fulfilled prophetically in this passage. Turn over to Luke chapter 10, because when the disciples are sent out, they're not sent out naked. They're not sent out alone. They are Jesus, when he first sent out the 72 and Luke chapter 10, turn over there real quick and let's, let's just take a look at it. And isn't it amazing that Luke records this in, in, in Luke and then he also illustrates it through, through the life of Paul in um, Acts 28. Look at Luke chapter 10. some things that, that we need to understand. Look at Luke chapter 10, verse 1. It says, After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them on ahead of him, two by two, into every town, every town and place where he himself was about to go. And he said to them, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest, to send out laborers into the harvest. Go your way. Behold, I am sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. Carry no money bag, no knapsack, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. Whatever house you enter, first say, Peace be to this house. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest upon him. But if not, it will return to you. And remain in the same house, eating and drinking what they provide. For the laborer deserves his rate wages. Do not go from house to house. Whenever you enter a town and they receive you, eat what is set before you. Now watch verse 9. Heal the sick in it and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. Now jump down to verse 19. Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt you. Did you just see this passage illustrated in what has happened to Paul in Acts chapter 27 and Acts chapter 28? First of all, the, the verse 19 is, is just right in front of our face. Behold, I give you power to tread upon serpents and scorpions, and nothing shall hurt you. This viper comes out of the fire, latches on to Paul. They expect Paul to die right then and there. They're saying, mm, justice. Remember what we used to, when we, we were playing basketball, they call it justice, you know, a last to the line. Because things were going to work out right no matter what. Here's what, what we see right here. Justice does prevail because God has given Paul power and authority over all the enemy. Everything that the enemy threw at Paul, nothing worked. Remember last week we talked about religion, we talked about rulers, we talked about uh, spiritual wickedness in high places and how Satan is trying to stop what God is trying to do and nothing works? 
There it is illustrated right there. Nothing works. And even further from Luke 10, what does the Lord say to, to the disciples? He said, wherever you at, take what they give you. That's what Paul is doing. But even more than that, look at this command, he says, heal the sick among them. Paul gets placed on the island of Malta. Now, the devil thinks he's doing it, but God is allowing it because God wants Paul on Malta to show forth his power. What does that mean to you? God wants you in the place that you are as uncomfortable as it is because he wants to show his power through you. I know we don't, don't nobody want to be in certain places that they are. But this is God using you, his disciple, who he sent out to accomplish his purpose. Let's go further out, because I, I can get hung up right there. Uh, go back to Acts chapter 28, because I, I, I'm going to be a little longer tonight. Maybe, maybe, maybe not. I'm coming along pretty good. Come along pretty good. Go back to Acts chapter 28, verse 11. I try to keep myself on a better schedule this week than I did last week because, and to do that, I have to make sure I have some notes because notes help me to keep myself in line. Acts chapter 28, verse 11. After three months, we set sail in the ship that had wintered in the island, a ship of Alexandria, with the twin gods as a figurehead. Putting in at Syracuse, we stayed there for three days, and from there we made a circuit and arrived at Regium. And after one day, a south wind sprang up, and on the second day, we came to Petulia. There we found brothers and were invited to stay with them for seven days. And so we came to Rome. And the brothers there, when they heard about us, came as far as the form of Apius and three taverns to meet us. On seeing them, God, Paul thanked God and took courage. And when we came into Rome, Paul was allowed to stay by himself with the soldier that guarded him. This passage that we just went through shows how Paul got back on track in his journey to Rome. And from this southwesterly position that he was in, they sailed north toward Rome. And they talk about a couple of stops that they make, a couple of ports that they make, but they stayed on Malta for about three months. The same, if they'd have stayed where they belonged, they wouldn't have went to, through all of this. And Paul had told them, the winds are against us, but God saved them. And now, at the same time that they would have gotten there, had they stayed back in the first port, they, are now, they, they now arrive in Rome. But there's a couple of interesting things that I want to point out. First of all, it says they put Forth on a ship of Alexandria with the twin gods as a figurehead. What's interesting there is these twin gods are um, Castor and Pollux. Now, 
those of you who study Greek mythology or Roman mythology will recognize them. And those of you who came from a life of um, astrology, okay, who used to follow the astrological signs, these are the gods or the, the, the mythical gods that, that help form the constellation known as Gemini. And these, these, these two gods, Castor and Polynex, they are sons of Zeus who um, basically um, are believe, were believed to have a certain type of power that helped the sailors. And so when the Romans and different ones got on the boat, they're saying that, you know, we're sailing under a sign of safety because the gods are with us, not really knowing that God was with Paul and, and not really realizing that what Paul had said when they were on the ship, God gave y'all to me, and so you'll arrive safely at your destination. They're still trusting other gods. What does that mean to you? You know what? Some of us in Christianity still messing around with those astrological signs and are taking are saying that our personalities are the way they are or the things that happen to us or the people that we can associate with or people that get we get along with or the people that we don't get along with are based upon mythology, based upon astrological signs. Nothing can be farther from the truth. You are a new creation in Christ. Old things passed away. All things become as new. You are being transformed into the very image of Christ. And so with that said, you put that old mess away. You can stop reading all of that, that stuff and stop heeding and making yourself slave to that and begin to just receive the pure word of God and follow what God says concerning your life. That's one thing in that passage. The second thing in this passage is when they get to a certain place, Paul gains courage. Notice what it says in uh, verse Verse 15, on seeing them, Paul thanked God and took courage. You know what? This points out to me the necessity of Christian fellowship. Now, by nature, by nature, I spend a lot of time alone because I'm very comfortable in being alone, and I need the time. I need the time to be by myself with the Lord, especially because uh, that's just the way I'm made, and I'm constantly someplace that you know, someplace else. I'm one of them, you know, the space cadets. I really am. And so, but when I get around people, and and anybody that knows me knows that I can talk the ink off a word. Yes, I can. I can do some talking. But generally, I'm very, very comfortable being by myself. But I have learned that I gain strength from being around the saints of God. Now, I ain't got to be doing all that talking and stuff, 
but just being in the presence of the saints and being around people that encourage me and being around people that are on the same journey as me is a source of great strength. And that's why the Bible says don't neglect the fellowship of the saints. Don't neglect fellowshipping. Make sure that a lot of one of the things that's going on right now is that the devil has a spirit of division going that's stopping folk from going to church. That's stopping you from attending the worship service. That's stopping you from attending Bible studies. That making you say, oh, I don't need to go there this week. I'm sick of them folk. No, you're not. You need them folk. Let me show you what the scripture says. In Hebrews chapter 10, it says, let us hold fast. Uh, it's 10, about 1023, I think it is. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. What is it? What, 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 why do we need this symbol? Look at this again. I'm at Hebrews chapter 10. It's at verse, I'm a, I'm a verse 23 and 24. It says, to we, when we are together, what we do, what we should be doing, is provoking each other unto love and good works. What does that mean, to provoke you to love and to promote, promote you to good works? To encourage you to commitment to each other, to encourage by your example of commitment, to encourage by your example of doing good works. That's the purpose of fellowship. When you go to church, one of the things that you should make sure that you do every time is, number one, that you let somebody know that I'm committed to you and I'm committed to your cause and I'm committed to making sure that you get where you're supposed to get to. And then do it. Help somebody. In helping someone else, you're helping yourself. Exhort each other in the faith. Exhort each other in the faith. Encourage somebody. Help pick them up. You know, we, we've got this thing now, and, and you know, I, you, you've heard me harp about it before. We are so busy seeking our own elevation and our own titles and our own uh, glorification that we forget that that's not the way of Christ. What does he say? And the greatest of you shall be a servant. We have to learn that even especially in the household of faith, to serve one another, to serve one another. And in serving, we encourage. You know, I can remember as a young man, the older people spent a lot of time with me. Part of it because somebody had to watch me because I was a real scoundrel. But most of the time what they were saying to me is, 
You are, you are, you are, you are. You can do, you can do. And it encouraged me. And even now, even now, I get great encouragement from the saints of God. There are times when life will throw me a curveball, life will throw you a curveball, but somebody will come along. And they they might do something as simple as just say, how you doing? God bless you. I'm praying for you. They might just touch touch me or something, some kind of way. And the next thing you know, I can run a little bit more. I I, I really salute my wife because my wife gets a chance to see me in at my worst when I've been beat up and rolled and and I'm ready to give up and I want to cuss, I want to fight and. She'll sit there, and I think she's praying or something. I don't know. She'll let me get it out, and then once she gets gets it all out, she'll do something just real simple. Sometimes it's as simple as a sandwich or something to drink or something like that. And the next thing you know, I'm ready to fight again. Just that encouragement, just that knowing that she's there, my kids, my relatives, all of them, they're, they're, they never know. You will never know how your presence inspires not just me but other people. So what does he say? Encourage one another, exhorting one another so much the more as you see the day approaching. Okay? Let me keep going. Let me keep going. I'm at verse 17. After three days, he called together the local leaders of the Jews, and when they had gathered, he said to them, Brothers, though I had done nothing against our people or the customs of our fathers, yet I was delivered as a prisoner from Jerusalem into the hands of the Romans. When they had examined me, they wished to set me at liberty because there was no reason for the death penalty in my case. But because the Jews objected, I was compelled to appeal to Caesar, though I had no charge to bring against my nation. For this reason, therefore, I have asked to see you and speak with you, since it is because of the hope of Israel that I am wearing this chain. And they said to him, We have received no letters from Judea about you, and none of the brothers coming here has reported or spoken any evil about you. But we desire to hear from you what your views are. For with regard to this sect, we know that everywhere it is spoken against. When they had appointed a day for him, they came to him at his lodging in great number. Now, let me stop right there. So, Paul presents himself to the Jewish leaders. And what he explains to them, look, I had to appeal to Caesar because these folks wanted to kill me. And Caesar, and, 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 and they couldn't find anything against me. And guess what? There was nobody from Judea. Now, they've chased him all over Turkey, all over Greece, 
all throughout two continents saying that this and trying to kill him. And then when it comes time for the big trial, where are they at? This is an example of some folks throwing rocks and hiding their hands. When God means for you to be in a certain place, and he prevails over the enemy, and he allows you to prevail, you know they're going to hide. You know they're going to hide. It's called throwing a rock and hiding their hand. That's what they were doing. And, and people are going to do that to you. Don't worry about that. You have to stay focused on what God says. Because, again, remember what we said earlier, God is going to accomplish his purpose in you. And with this, Paul accomplishes his mission. Because there were some things that God, that God had told Paul that he was going to do. And remember we talked about the word won't come back to you void, but it will accomplish its purpose? Look here. Go to Acts chapter 23. We've done this before. We've, we, we went over this before, but I want you to see it again. I want you to see two passages. Acts chapter 23, just one verse from there. What did the Lord say to Paul after he had testified in Jerusalem? It says, Acts chapter 23, verse 11. The following night, the Lord stood by him and said, Take courage, for as you have testified to the facts about me in Jerusalem, so you must testify also in Rome. Now that's back in 23. We are 28. But that wasn't the beginning. That wasn't the beginning of Paul's purpose. Paul's purpose is announced back in Acts chapter 9. Go back to Acts chapter 9 real quick. Verse 15. Look. Remember Ananias when Paul, when, when the Lord tells Ananias, I want you to go see Paul, and, and Ananias said, not me. Oh, no. That dude, that's a bad boy. That dude want to kill folk. And now you want to send me to him? And what does the Lord say to Ananias? He said, in verse 15, But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel, for I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. What is Paul's? What is Paul's purpose? Paul is God's chosen instrument to carry the name of the Lord before the to the Gentiles, to kings, and to the children of Israel. What has Paul done in his lifetime on those missionary journeys? He has carried the word of God to Gentiles, to kings. Remember King Agrippa? To the Jews all throughout the land. God, when he anoints you and appoints you, will fulfill his purpose in you regardless of the obstacles that 
Satan places in front of you. And so knowing these things, knowing these things, we must remain steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. We must remain faithful because we know something that others don't know, and we have an assignment to expand, to bring about expansion of the kingdom of God through our witness and our faithfulness to God. Now, let me finish this off. I'm at verse 23. When they had appointed a day for him, they came to him at his lodging in greater numbers. From morning till evening, he expounded to them, testifying to the kingdom of God and trying to convince them about Jesus, both from the law of Moses and from the prophets. And some were convinced by what he said, but others disbelieved. And disagreeing, and disagreeing among themselves, they departed after Paul had made one statement. The Holy Spirit was right in saying to your fathers through Isaiah the prophets, go to this people and say, you will indeed hear, but never understand. And you will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull, and with their ears they can barely hear, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and turn, and I would heal them. Therefore, let it be known to you that this salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles. They will listen. Go back. Let's go back and let me show you what he's, what's just happened. So they come, and Paul opens up the scriptures to them. Remember the last time the scriptures were opened up? Remember what Jesus did on the Emmaus Road? And he opened up the scriptures so the disciples could hear. And they said, uh, and, and they exclaimed, wow, we didn't know all of this. Why did they hear, and why couldn't these folk hear? Well, it tells you right there. They said, they'll hear, but never understand. They will see, but never perceive. God will lay before them all of the pieces of the puzzle, and they won't be able to put it together. You know, sometimes we know all of this scripture. We get all of this good preaching, but we never are able to put this whole thing together. Why? Because of the conditions of our heart. Now, where it says, for this people's heart has grown dull. What, that, what, what other translations will tell you is that it says, this people's heart has become calloused. Do you know when something is calloused, it's hard. And remember the parable of the sower where the word fell on hard ground and the birds of the air came and plucked it up and ate it? Well, that's what's happening to some of these people. Now, 
one of the things that I have to encourage you is it is not your business to um, determine the condition of someone's heart. You are to sow the word of God wherever you are. It's up to God to prepare their hearts to receive it. That's a grace of God. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. And sometimes when we don't see fruit from our labor, it discourages us. No, you don't get discouraged because people are not receiving the word from you. You do what God told you to do. You spread the word of God. Sometimes seed sits in soil for a long time and does nothing. Sometimes the seed just sits on sits there till a bird come along and snatch it away. But in the end of time, don't you have nothing left in your seed bag? Don't you come back and don't you stand before the Lord with a bag full of seeds and he said, Well what did you do with all that word I gave you? Uh, I, I, I looked at the soil and I looked at them people and they didn't want to hear what you had to say, so I didn't say nothing. Mm mm. The sower went forth to sow the seed. The disciples are commanded to go and take the word. Paul is commanded to go forth with the word. You are commanded to go forth with the word. If they put it together, great. If they don't, ask between them and God. Why? Because the hearts are dull. They can't hear what the Spirit is saying. They're, and literally what it means is their ears and their eyes are covered with flesh. They, they, are, um, they got their eyes on so many worldly things. They're so steeped in a worldly system that they can't comprehend what God is doing because they're at war with God. It says the flesh is at war with the Spirit and the Spirit is at war with the flesh. They're opposed. But what God is going to do, and God, what God showed me a long time ago is, oh, he can break up that fallow ground, and he will do it. He will do it. He says, because if they could hear, I would heal them. I would heal them. They are trapped in their sins right now. But if they could only hear my call, I would heal them. I would bring out, restore them. I would bring them out of darkness into the marvelous light. I would do wonderful things in their life. I would give them new life through Jesus Christ. I don't want to preach. I don't want to preach that. I want to finish. The final verse, the concluding verse. Therefore, let it be known to you, verse 28, that this salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles, they will listen. He lived there two whole years at his own expense and welcomed all who came to him, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. Paul continued to do what the Lord sent him to do at his own expense in Rome for two years. What happens after that? 
Luke doesn't tell us. But when we leave Paul, we leave him doing the will of God, fulfilling the mission that God sent him on. And as I close the book on Acts for now, I've got a question. Will you accomplish the mission that God sends you on? Can you honestly say at the end of your life, at the end of your days, mission accomplished. I, the servant of the Lord, have yielded my life to him in such a way that I accomplish the things that he set out to do. That's my prayer for myself. That's my prayer for you, that you will avail yourself to God in such a way that he, and you remain faithful to him, that you would accomplish his purpose in your life. This has been just a wonderful, wonderful study. We learned so much. We learned so much in this book of Acts. I'm going to encourage each of you to go back in your own private time. Now that you've gone through systematically breaking down verse by verse and and attending the Bible studies. I want you to go back on your private time. I just want you to read through it at your leisure. And as you read through it again, just just hear what the Spirit says to you and how God will strengthen you through this word yet again. Yet again. Let's pray because right now I'm running, oh, almost 10 minutes over. Eternal God, our Father, it's in Jesus' name that we come to say thank you. Oh, we bless you and we praise you for your faithfulness. God, tonight that's what we want to be. We want to be like you. We want to be faithful. We want to be faithful to your word. We want to be faithful to your purpose. You've told us to do some things in life. You told us to follow you. You told us to take up our cross. You told us to advance the kingdom. You told us that there would be some trouble. But you also told us to be of good courage because you have overcome the world. And so, God, tonight, as we come before your throne, we surrender to your will and to your way. We say yes to you, O God. We know, God, that you will strengthen us. We know, God, that you are with us. We know, God, that you'll never leave us or forsake us. We know that when the storms of adversity blow into our life, that they're just blowing us into the place where you want us to be so you can show yourself strong, so you can show your power. God, so show off in our lives. Have your way. We thank you for this Bible study, for the people, and more importantly, we thank you for your presence. We bless you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we finished Acts. And guess what? Next week, we keep pressing. We start Galatians. And that's going to be just a wonderful book. It shouldn't take us a whole year to do it. Matter of fact, we should be able to accomplish that 
in one quarter. But then that's Winfred and not the Holy Ghost. So we'll see what God says about that. But we thank you for being with us tonight. We thank you for your encouragement. We thank you for all that you do for this Bible study. And we pray that God has blessed you. We pray that he continues to bless you through the word. Now, get ready next week for Galatians, because next week we start on the emancipation. Uh, if there are questions, let me know right now. Um, you can call me at 929-477-2304, or you can post your questions on the screen. Uh, and I'm going to say hurry up and I'll type them questions because I'm I'm almost 15 minutes over. That's pretty good, I think, for a whole chapter. Okay, I don't see any. I don't see anybody posting any questions. So with that said, this has been Pastor Winfred Burns with the Word on Wednesday. Be blessed and have a wonderful, wonderful evening. And I will see you next week. Bye-bye. Bless you.